Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. Today, I'm still going to say something arising from that question, but today I'm totally taking the answers outside the question that was asked. There are some primary issues of faith that are not debatable, but there are secondary issues concerning faith, which oftentimes, unfortunately, down the history of the church, we fight over and divide ourselves over. So I want to look at two facts that I want to put side by side that will help us when we discuss and argue about the right and the wrongs of some action and some tradition. Okay, And these are the two facts. Number one, the fact that you think that others are wrong does not necessarily mean that you are right. Pointing out that somebody else is wrong and trying to prove that they are wrong, they may be wrong, they may not be wrong, but even if they are wrong, that does not necessarily mean that the alternative you know, a solution that you are bringing, that does not mean that you are right. That is the first fact. The second fact is that you may be right, <laughs> okay? But are you loving in exercising your rightness? You may be right, but... Being right, you will see, we're going to look at that in the scripture today, that being right is not the end in itself. You may be right, but are you loving in exercising your rightness? I want us to put these two facts side by side because there's a whole lot of issues that are dividing the church today. A lot of them are secondary issues with respect to faith. They are not primary issues that determine somebody's salvation and somebody's eternal destiny. These are secondary issues, and I'm going to come to one or two of those before we close. So the first fact is the fact that you think others are wrong does not necessarily mean that you are right. While you are correcting other people, have some grace, because you too may be wrong. <laughs> You see, oftentimes we all have blind, blind spot concerning ourselves. We can easily spot where other people are wrong, whereby we are totally blind to where we are wrong. We read that in Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read that in a second. Okay, I have seen people trying to correct others by using wrong and unbiblical arguments. Okay, And it is very, very important for us to know that we cannot break the rule while we are trying to right a wrong. Okay, We ourselves cannot be found to be in sin while we are trying to correct the sin of other people. For those people that are hearing this life, we are in the season of Christmas. And what a time to talk about where there is a whole lot of anky-panky about the rightness and the wrongness of what people do with respect to the season in which we live. And one other topic that has been dividing the church today is the topic of tight, to tight or not to tight. Now, to tight or not to tight, I'm going to speak a little bit more about that when I go to fact number two. 
Oftentimes, there are grains of truth in arguments of both sides, but the truth is that the reason I'm given to justify my stand, are they biblical, are they archaeological or historical fact? Every man and every woman position has to be judged by the gospel, have to be judged by the scripture, has to be judged by the truth, because two wrongs cannot make a right. Now, let's read Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5. Judge not that you may not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the moth in thy brother's eyes, but considereth not the beam that is in your own eyes? Or how will you say to thy brother, Let me pull out the moth out of your eyes, and behold, a beam is in your own eyes, you hypocrite. First cast out the beam out of your own eyes, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moth out of thy brother's eyes. Now, it is important I say this. This scripture is not saying that we cannot correct one another. No, that's not what it's saying. In fact, this scripture is saying we need to correct one another. It's not that we cannot judge. It's not that we cannot correct one another. It's the way we do it. It's the spirit in which we do it. That is the issue here. The way we do it, the spirit in which we do it, and that is the point that is at work here that if i want to point out that something is wrong the question is what standard am i using because oftentimes i tend to find out that people say something is wrong because they are they are not doing it the way we do it in our church they are not doing it the way we do it or this is the way i believe it this is where i've always understood it and if you do it differently you must be wrong now that is not the way or oftentimes I've seen that people try to correct other people because of what they have learned from other people. They've not taken the time to do their own work and they are resized themselves. Let's take example of Christmas because this is where we are. This is the season where you will hear oftentimes people talk about the paganist, paganistic origin of everything Christmas. And oftentimes in the middle of all these anky-panky and um, all this debate, we totally forget what Christmas is all about. Okay? The people that argue about this, they argue that the reason they are doing this is so that we will understand what Christmas is all about. But I find out that in the middle of this debate, actually that's exactly what happened. We forget what Christmas is all about. That Christmas is about the birth of the Savior. That you can talk about the paganic, the paganist origin of that, the paganist origin of that, the paganist origin of that. But what are Christians celebrating today? Christians are celebrating the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we tend to forget that. But the other thing oftentimes that I find that is that a whole lot of the argument that people bring Oftentimes, I realize that most people have not really done their homework. They just oftentimes tend to repeat something they've had from somebody. Okay. They said, where does the Christmas tree come from? By the way, I don't use Christmas tree. I don't, in my house, we don't put Christmas tree up. We don't put Christmas light up. We don't do any one of those things. Easter, we don't do Easter egg and things like that. But the thing is that oftentimes a lot of people that want to talk against a lot of this thing, the evidence or the argument they bring 
are actually faulty argument in the first place. They said the Christmas tree started from there, Christmas life started from there. But when you go, when you do your research, you will find out that that is not actually true. Okay, they talk about the fact that you know um, Christmas was previously pagan practice and then they flip it over and all those things now in a lot of this argument there are grains of truth but a whole lot of them have been confused people 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 have confused the issue and oftentimes they make association to mean to you know they convict people by reason of association before you remove the moth in other people's eyes just wait first of all and say this is what is what is the issue here what are the truth here can I actually conclude without doubt that that is the story or this is the story? A whole lot of these things are being repeated without making our research. A whole lot of these things are being propagated by people that don't like Christianity in the first place. But then we just repeat them without doing our own homework. So it is very, very important for us to understand that. But number two, let's go on to number two. The fact number two is where I'm going to spend a little bit more time. That the fact that you may be right, maybe you are right. Maybe you are right about the Christmas tree. Maybe you are right about the Christmas light. Maybe you are right. (laughs) But are you loving in exercising your rightness? Are you loving in the way you try to exercise your knowledge? Sometimes the now question is not what is right or what is wrong. Sometimes the question is, what is beneficial? What is the loving thing to do in this situation? Because something may be right, but it may not be beneficial. You may be right, but you may do more harm. Now, remember here, we are not talking about primary issue of faith. We are not talking about the issue that concerns our salvation and our destiny. Unless if, we, if you think that paying tight or not paying tight is issue of salvation, or let's if you think that putting up a Christmas tree or light an issue of salvation or destiny of souls, unless if you think that. But oftentimes people sp- split here about things that are secondary issues of faith. So this second fact is saying that let's assume that you are right. But are you loving in exercising your rightness? I'm going, I'm going to read a scripture that I, I alluded to. In previous teaching, that is in First Corinthians chapter ten, verses twenty-three to thirty-three. Now it's a long one, and um, yes, let me read it. I'm going to read it quite quickly. First Corinthians chapter ten, verses twenty-three to thirty-two. All things are lovable for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lovable for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's world. Whatsoever is sold in the cha- in the chambers, that it asking no question for conscience' sake, for the art is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to feast, and you be disposed to go, whatsoever I said before you, eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idol, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not of your own, but of the others. For why is my liberty judge of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of? 
for that for which I give thanks. Whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Now, this is very, very important. I don't have the time to blow these scriptures apart, but you can see what he's saying here. Something may be right. I have the knowledge. I can go in there, I can, I can eat those food, I can be part of that, you know, exercise, I can do that. That may be right. I can, you know, I can argue this thing, I can win this argument, I can win this debate. Maybe you have a point, maybe you are right. But the issue is, like he said here, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. In other words, not all things are beneficial. There are times when we avoid doing or saying something or going somewhere, not because they are prohibited by the Bible, but because we are sensitive to the common conscience, because we want to avoid unintended outcome, or because we are aware of the risk of the brazen serpent when a good can be evil spoken of. There are, there are times when we do that. We can, I can say here and say, yeah, I'm right. But there are times when we actually know we are in the right, but because there are other things that we are considering. Remember what we are saying here, and I'm going to come to that. We are not talking about here about compromise. That's not what we are talking about. Because we just read it here. Paul said, verse 32 of that first Corinthians chapter 30, chapter 10, verse 32, give non-offense. And I'm going to come to that word as we move on. Give non-offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things. Does that mean that Paul is just playing to the gallery? No, that's not what he's saying. Or that Paul is just compromising wherever, it's just like a chameleon if he's there. No, that's not. He said, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. You can win a battle, but lose the war. You can win the battle of being right about something, but totally miss the point. Matthew chapter 17, verse 24 to 27. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute, money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? Peter said, Yes. And when Peter came into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or strangers? Peter said unto him, Of strangers. Jesus said unto him, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou to the sea, cast an yoke, take up the first fish that came cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take, give unto them for me and for thee. Do you see how that is parallel to what we read before? The Lord Jesus said, Notwithstanding now, this is the fact, this is the truth. The king will take custom from strangers, not from his children. So the children are free. He said, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Lest we should offend them. And we read that word offense also when we are reading 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. Pete Paul said, give none offense. And the Lord Jesus said, lest we should offend them. Now, I'm repeating this and I'm going to repeat it again and again and again. Neither Paul... Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is here talking about compromise. No, that is not the issue here. There are times when we have to stand for the truth, when we have to stand 
for the truth of the word of God. In the process, if we lose our life, we lose our life. But there are times when we don't give unnecessary offense. And this is very, very important. Now, let's, let's look at what is going on here. The issue here is about temple tax. Let me tell you something about the temple tax. We must separate between the Roman tax and the temple tax. The temple tax are paid by every male Israelite above the age of 22. You can read Exodus chapter 30 and 2 Chronicles chapter 24. So every male child, every male Israelite over the age of 20 will pay the temple tax. And the temple tax is fixed at half a shekel per head and it is paid annually. Okay, it was collected even from Jews in foreign countries. Okay, Jews all over the world. And they paid it into what they call the koban or the treasury. What they used the temple tax for is to actually pay the expenses and for the upkeep of the temple. Now, if there's anybody that should not pay temple tax is the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the Christ. <laughs> he is the Son of God. But the Lord Jesus did not use his freedom as an excuse for giving nothing. He could have not given anything because he is the Christ. He could have given nothing. But he did not use his freedom as an excuse for giving nothing. The spirit in which our Lord spoke and acted was one with that which as which guided Paul's life, like we read in the first book of Corinthians that we read. And in Romans chapter 14, verse 21, Paul said it is good to surrender even the freedom which we might well claim, if by it thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is weak. Sometimes we do things not because they are right or wrong. Sometimes we do things because it is the most beneficial things to do at that particular point in time. These are, these are principles that you will see over and over again in the scripture. The Lord Jesus said in verse 27 that we just read just now, he said, lest we should offend them. And the word offend, offend them there means lest we should cause them to stumble. Lest we should cause them to stumble. Though he was not under obligation to pay the temple task, Yet he deemed it best to pay. In fact, he performed a miracle to do that. Though he was above the law, he placed himself under the law. Because offense divides people. Say, so if we don't pay it, I mean, I mean, say I have knowledge, but if we don't pay it, it will be a offense. It will be a division. And by the way, this money is being used for the upkeep of the church or of the temple. His motive if he decides not to pay it, his motive will be unknown, his motive will be understood. But at the end of the day, the end result of that will be division. But the truth is, the Lord Jesus said, look, this money is, to, is for the upkeep of the temple. Let's get it paid. Now, we must never, and this is very, very important, we must never decline our duty for fear of giving offense. No, but, what we, must some, but we must sometimes deny ourselves in our worldly interests rather than give offense. We oftentimes deny ourselves in our worldly interests rather than giving offense. You know, oftentimes I always look at people that talk about tithes and we can all be here splitting our head about tithes, about tithes, and we all have knowledge, okay? A lot of people will come and say tithe is just in the Old Testament, 
But somebody with knowledge will tell you that actually tithe predated the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, I should say. That tithe predated the Old Covenant because Abraham gave tithe. That was before the whole covenant started in Moses. So Abraham gave tithe. I mean, you could understand that some people that are worried about tithe may be worried about the fact that some charlatans, so-called pastors or so-called man of God, are using those money in the wrong way. Now you can deal with that. Or you may actually, somebody said that we must not pay tithe. And I say, actually, you know, you are right. We should not really be paying tithe. We should be paying 20%. We should be paying 30%. We should be paying 40%. We should be. I've never seen somebody that said, don't let, don't let us pay tithe. I've never seen anybody that come and said, don't let us pay tithe because I want to give more. I'm yet to see somebody. Well, maybe there are people out there that is fighting for their right to pay more than 10%. Because we are under the New Testament, it's a better covenant. So if the people in the Old Testament can give 10%, why can people in the New Testament not do more? And we have stories and testimony of people that give 20, 30, 40, 50% consistently. I'm not there. But I'm saying that oftentimes you see that a whole lot of those people that say we have knowledge. And one of the things I always see is that when a lot of these people that militantly want to say we are right, the question is in what spirit are they pushing they are being right? Are they being loving? Are they being beneficial? Is it really about me saying I have knowledge? Or I am right and you are wrong. I want to expose you. Or are we doing this in a loving, gentle manner? Maybe you are right. Yes. Maybe you are right, but in what manner, in what spirit are you doing it? The Lord Jesus here, he could not, he could have not paid the temple tax. But he said, look, don't let's cause offense. Don't let cause people to stumble. Okay, let us be reasonable. Remember, and I kept saying it, we are not talking here about compromise. We are not talking about here trying to save our skin and compromising. That's not what we are talking. In fact, if anything... We are talking about actually we denying ourselves to say, you know what? I have the knowledge, but this is for the common good. This money is going to build the church. Let's pay it. Let's pay it. And that is a sign of maturity. That is a sign of maturity. Obviously, if there's something that is wrong, we can deal with it. If we have ministry that are embezzling the money, that can be dealt with. If there are people that are taking advantage of the people of God, that can be dealt with. But oftentimes, we need to be aware of these two facts, especially when we come to a place where we want to correct things. Number one, the fact that you are correcting somebody does not mean that you are right. Number two, even if you are right, are you doing it in Christ-like spirit? The Lord Jesus confronted people he confronted the sadducees he confronted the sadducees and the pharisees he confronted the teachers so it's not about him not wanting to confront people but in this particular case he decided that the right course of action is to actually pay the tax because that was the loving thing to do and i believe that these two facts will help us not just in the church in our homes in our relationship to allow us to have a loving united relationships where somebody is not just dragging the relationship into the ground but lovingly giving room for each other covering each other 
allowing each other to grow in that relationship. These are two knowledge. These are two way of thinking that will help build relationship. Praise the Lord. I believe this has finally brought us to the end of our expanded answer to this question. So I want to thank, thank Brother Shego for the question. I know I've answered that question in a much more expanded way, but I feel that that was necessary. Okay, so hopefully from the next teaching, we're going to go back to where we were. Remember, we were in Genesis chapter 1, talking about Adam and Eve being made in the image of God. And we want to see what, what exactly is the image of God in man, when God created man, when God created Adam in the first place. Now we've jumped ahead of ourselves and talk about the image of God in the believer. So we're going to go back there and look at it. And if you are listening to me today, I want you to know that God loves you. Okay, and he have a destiny for you. And he sent his son into the world. There's no salvation in any other name because this world is under judgment. And the only way for you to come out of that judgment is to accept his rescue package, which is the cross of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Today is the day of salvation. As long as you have breath in your nose, you can turn around and come to him, admit that you're a sinner, you're a rebel, ask him to save you, he will. And then it will change you from inside and it will work with you in this life. It will help you to fulfill his purpose in this life. And then you will spend eternity with him in the new heaven and new earth. Do it today. Tomorrow may be too late. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.